Thanks for tuning in to Sell Like a Woman, the podcast. The place to be to get real. Real about your business, real about your life, and real about what it means to sell like a woman. I'm Kendrick Shope, and things are about to get real here. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I am so honored to have the one and only Lacey Boggs here with us today. And let me tell you, fasten your seatbelt, because if this woman is near as fun and informative as our website, you are in for a treat. Uh, I, I know Lacey through uh, a, a, some mutual friends and mutual connections, and I am honored to have you on Sell Like a Woman, the podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm thrilled. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to just give you all the little 411 scoop on who Miss Lacey Boggs is. Um, you know what? I'm going to say it in my own words. I said I wasn't going to do this, but I am. Lacey, you are copywriter extraordinaire. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> when I hear the word copywriter, I think of, a, and you have a great blog about this, but I, I think of a lot of different things. Like, do you... Um, do you write like for online businesses? Do you ghostwrite? Do you do all of the above? So tell us in our own words that we're going to understand what is it that you do and who do you work with? Sure, sure. So I help small business owners, mostly digital entrepreneurs, um, to, to find their voice and then create copy and content that actually moves the needle and sells for their business. So what I specialize in is blog content or, or podcast content, you know, that kind of content, but we do also provide cop more traditional copywriting, like websites, sales pages, things like that. Great. And if you haven't been to her website, we'll include it in the, in the copy with this, but you need to check it out because it's seriously, it's my new favorite website. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Um, the website is laceyblogs.com, but the content direction agency, and it's all black and white and very, uh, what genre is that? 50s? Kind of, yeah, kind of noir, film noir, oh, <laughs> detective I mean, agency. <laughs> the golden age of Hollywood. That's what yeah. you look like. It's oh, thank you. awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> so one of the reasons that I am so excited to have you here, and it's something that you, 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 you reference right here is copy that moves the needle, mm-hmm. right? And one of my pet peeves, if you will, this is, this is the blog I read too. I mean, you've got a blog, like you, you've got a warning on your homepage about pet peeves included or something. And what <laughs> yeah. But one of my pet peeves is when someone will come to me and they paid a lot of money for a copywriter and and no disrespect to copywriters, I use them, I love them, they're magnificent, but the copy is not sales focused at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they're, you know, you can be a fantastic writer, you can speak in my voice, you can get the way I talk, which is so important, right? It's got to sound mm-hmm. like you first. Yeah. But if the copy doesn't move the needle, as you said, <laughs> we've got a problem. Right? Because that's sort of the whole point, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I got into a discussion with my assistant about this last year. She's like, well, that's what a copywriter does. And I said, no, I'm beginning to learn that there's a difference between sales copywriting and copywriting. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's as many kinds of copywriting as there are kinds of copy and places to put it. Um, and I think, just like you said, there can be people who are really talented writers who haven't studied the sales part of it and so may not understand how to move people along towards a sale with words. 
Yeah, yeah. One of my, and this is, this is so bad, but one of my <laughs> tricks is to figure out, I mean, obviously selling is, is, is my jam. Right. <laughs> my tricks is to go to people's website and see, like, if I'm going to hire a copywriter, which I've used, um, you know, go to people's website and see, am I moved? Do I see sales copy? And um, when, before, I, I got to tell you, before we even talked about you being on the show, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so good. Because <laughs> there's a balance between personality and moving the needle, I feel like. And mm -hmm. I see so many people opt, not copywriters necessarily, but so many people opt for personality, personality, personality. And I did this when I was mm -hmm. starting out. Mm -hmm. I wanted everything to sound like Danielle Laporte because her writing moves me. Mm -hmm. Do you see this or was it just oh, me? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, so, so a lot of times, especially if someone's um, working, writing for themselves, yeah. um, which a lot of business owners start out that way and that's totally cool. Um, they want to emulate somebody that they admire in their space or, or in a similar space. So you mentioned Danielle, Danielle Laporte. She's not a sales guru, but you really admired her in the way she wrote. Who doesn't, right? She's kind of it's oh like gosh, she's poetry. Yeah. I know it's yeah. beautiful, but none of nobody else can be Danielle. <laughs> Only Danielle can be Danielle. So we have to find how to be ourselves and our business at the same time. And I think that balance you're talking about is super important and tricky yeah. So I want to talk about that because one of my, I would love to say I knew exactly what I was doing and I had the master plan the entire time, but that's not true. So back on, you know, the beginning of my business, I mean, one of the things that I did was I copied a lot of people who came before me. I worked for a year with Marie. I copied a lot of what she did. Now don't, I mean, I, I you know, viewers, listeners, I didn't, verbatim copy right. but I tried to emulate what she done I put my spin on it and let's face it ain't no way this is ever gonna sound like Marie so <laughs> I didn't take full copy off her website but you know I followed her plan as a matter of fact her plan to run her business has been my plan for the past five years I mean I got it when I worked with her and I've used it and it's only now that I'm beginning to branch out and figure out my spin but the problem I had was when you don't know what you're doing and you, you, you copy your emulator, get your, your coach's plan. Is it hard to find your voice in all of that? Or do you have any tips or tricks to do that? Cause I found it kind of challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So especially if you don't come from a writing background or if you come, if you've broken free from corporate or something like that, where you had to write in a particular yeah. way, um, it can be very difficult to find your voice. And so, so one of the things I, I like to tell people um, is look at your writing when you're not writing for business. So look at your Facebook updates. If you keep a journal, look at that. If you write letters or emails to friends, look at that and kind of take some time to analyze what makes it sound like you? Do you use a lot of formal language or informal language? Do you use a lot of slang or, or are you very professional? You know, do you use a lot of flowery language like Danielle Laporte or are you more straight to the point? You know, so there's, there's resources on my website. If you search for voice on my website, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of ways we could, it's kind of, you know, it really goes back to, and this is so funny, but like back to like 10th grade English class, when you were like analyzing stories, not to give anybody bad flashbacks here or anything, but if you can kind of analyze your own writing and even your own personality a little bit, 
you can see, this is what I do with my clients. I kind of see what makes them tick. What do they do verbally that is, that is showing off their personality? You know, so, so with you, for example, you have a really strong voice in person. So I'd want to make sure that comes across in your copy if I was working for you. So I'd probably throw some little, little bit of slang, a little bit of colloquialisms, you know, I might drop the ending on words with a little apostrophe so it looks like your accent, not all the time, not overdoing it, but just a little bit so your voice comes through. And that's how I would go about sort of analyzing somebody's voice. And you can do that for yourself as well. Yeah, I, I love this. And I think this is so good. And I will, um, I have two confessions. One okay. is last year, I think it was last year, um, there was, with, with the stuff that, that my business had upcoming in this year, there were some opinions that I needed to try to sound a little bit more professional. And so I tried that. And you know what I saw? Like, yeah. I mean, we still sold because I have a core group of amazing and amazing community, but the visits to the website weren't this, it wasn't authentic. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying at the start of this year, my brand is called authentic selling. This is the least <laughs> authentic thing there is out there. Like I'm done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I think we all get sucked into the trap of this is what it should be. Even though we know we don't like those should words, you know? Yeah. What about, so, and I've got another confession in a minute, but what about, uh, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, but when you see an expert say, don't use the, don't use adjectives or don't use the word just, or, you know, these blanket statements. And I am guilty of telling people this, mm -hmm. but what about if that's the way you talk? So unless, so here's, here's my number one rule. Mm -hmm. And it's that clarity is more important than cleverness every single time. Wow. So if you can be clear and still talk like yourself, whatever yourself is, then you're doing fine. If people are understanding your message, put every just, every adjective, every funny description, every metaphor you want to throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> because you think about it, look at somebody like, like Lenny Dawson is one of my favorite examples mm -hmm. because she has an incredible voice. It's yeah. really weird. It's, she's really wacky. She swears like a trucker. She's a woo woo hippie and it works for her, right? Yeah. She's made multiple millions of dollars. Yeah. So there's no, there's no writing teacher. There's no English grammar teacher who would look at her blog posts and go, you know, oh yes, this gets a check mark for being, <laughs> and yeah. yet it works fine. You know, she does great. So yeah. I say, as long as your message is clear, let all those, I mean, you know, it, it has to be clear. So you have to use periods, you have to yeah. make paragraphs so that people can read it. But other than that, you know, grammar's a little flexible. Have you read <laughs> the book random, same kind of different as me? No. You heard of it? Okay. So it's a fabulous book. It came out, gosh, probably 10 or 15 years ago about a homeless man and a family who sort of takes him in. I think he was homeless, but a family who sort of takes him in, maybe he was homeless, but he was extremely down on his luck. And they met him at a, at a food bank and he was um, really, his life had been just uh, really hard and he didn't have any education. And the book is written the way he talks, but there is no punctuation. None. And I remember calling, it's a beautiful book, but I remember calling my mom and saying, I can't read this. Like I am having so much trouble. And she said, buy the audible version because yeah. your brain is so trapped. I mean, there's no punctuation. It's, it's just all one. Oh, it was really hard. It's a best It's a great book, but yeah, I've never appreciated punctuation so much as when I tried to read that book. So 
Okay, here's my next confession. Okay. I am not usually, but this isn't usually like Catholic church, but today <laughs> it's going to be. Um, I, and I've told this story before, but I can remember being at a mastermind event with Marie um, and 19 of the just superstar businesswomen. And there I was thinking, how did I, I'm a really good salesperson. <laughs> Marie to let me in on this, but I'm making no money. But that Josh, Marie's husband and Marie were kind of navigate or, um, in charge of the mastermind that day. And so they called me up, put me in my hot seat. And usually in it, for those of you who don't know, you get to present a business problem and then the group solves it. Well, they handed me a sheet of paper and a pen and said, write. And I said, write what? And they said, anything. I said, I need a little more direction. Okay. Write a blog post. I burst into tears in oh, no. front of this whole group of people who knew I had no business being there because we were halfway through at this point. But what had happened to me was I had a, a copywriter tell me very early on when I left corporate and came into the online world that my writing sucked. And I had always been like, straight A's in English in school and you know five paragraph themes where I loved them when we got to do a five paragraph theme I was like yes <laughs> I like the system I know what I'm supposed to do and it I allowed it that's his opinion but I allowed it to devastate me Ugh. and it, and then I allowed it to become a crutch for not putting out content mm -hmm. and I didn't realize this until the moment that they said right and I, I could not get one word on the paper mm. so we all do this to ourselves at some point and I know I need life coaching and I know all that. I'm, I get that audience, but what do you do when you see somebody who's lost so much confidence that they can't even put words on a page? Do you ever see that or was it, you may not. Well, I definitely have heard stories like that because I think there's a lot of people who were told and maybe not by a copywriter, which PS fire his ass because that's a terrible. <laughs> I did, right after that. I um, but, you know, they were told by an English teacher in fourth grade or, you know, a parent or a friend or, you know, got an F on a college essay or something. And it's the same sort of um, block that has cropped up in their lives. I do see that very often. And, you know, what's awesome about blogging is that you get to do it over and over and over again. You don't have to get it right on the first try. So if y'all go back and look at my blog posts and scroll all the way back <laughs> to the ones from the very beginning, they are horrible. <laughs> They're not good. They're not good at all. Yeah. And I got gotten better, right? I've gotten better over time and I've learned more and, and everybody does this. So the really the key is to do it. So if you need somebody to put you in a hot seat and make you write in front of people and feel embarrassed, you know, that's one way to do it. But another way to do it is just to force yourself. I'm going to write 300 words and post it on my blog this week. Next week, I'm going to write 400 words and post it on my blog and just keep doing it because the more you do it, the more you'll see, like you'll be able to go back and go, okay, that wasn't so bad or, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so on and so yeah. forth. I love that. And that, that was true for me and still is true for me because a right. copywriter, I am not like I can, the, the sales language, great, but it, mm -hmm. copywriter, I'm not, but it certainly has improved. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So you, you bring up a couple of interesting points for questions for me. So okay. 300 words, 400 words. Is there a magic number for blogging? Oh, I get that question a lot. So 300 words is the absolute minimum for a blog post to be recognized by Google. 
Okay, so Google's little spiders go out on the web and if it sees an update to your website of 300 words or more, it adds it to its little search results, right? So that's the minimum. But um, over the past couple of years, we've been seeing Google give preference to longer form content. Love so, it. And, and longer form in this case is like 1,500, 2,000 words or more. Wow. Yeah. So the days of posting five times a day, 300 words at a time are over. Yeah. So, um, and I tell people when they get big glassy eyed deer in the headlights look, when I say that, I say, you know, if, if you are not able to, or you feel uncomfortable producing that on a regular basis, like every week, you can dial back the frequency yeah. and dial up the quality. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to be cranking out 2000 words a week. If that's hard for you, 2000 words every other week, or even once a month, I would say that's probably the minimum once a okay. month to keep people okay. in, you know, keep you in people's minds. Yeah. But if you can produce something really amazing once a month, that's better than junk once a week. <laughs> so the next question is, and I get this a lot too, mm -hmm. uh, blogging, well, first of all, and I know you hear this, nobody comments on my blog. I'm just putting it out there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm making fun. I shouldn't do that. No, as, no. I, <laughs> nobody, I did this too, y'all. Nobody comments. It's just a waste of time. Like, what is the big deal with blogging? Why yes. is it so important? Well, so there's a couple of reasons. I look at it as your blog is a long form sales letter dripped out over time. Love and it. so when you're doing it correctly and thoughtfully and with a strategy, you're hitting all the same points you would in a sales page or a sales letter for a particular sales cycle, but over time, right? So that's one reason to think of your blog as being very important because it's an opportunity to give people your sales message. And, but sometimes what you're selling is not necessarily your product, but your opt-in because really your, you, your blog is the way you fill the top of your funnel. So you can't sell unless you have leads <laughs> and the way to get leads is to attract people to your website and you can't really attract people to your website unless you got something going on. And to have something going on, you better have some good content that's going to get people there. And so it's kind of working backwards from that sale to why is a blog important. Um, comments are a vanity metric. Really? Yes. Comments are not going to get you a sale. Do and, they, only, they, they used to, I think, I was told, could it help okay. with SEO and that sort of thing or no? Yes. So they can help with SEO. Um, how much is up for debate? Okay. So um, if you think about it, they're adding more content to your website, right? So if they okay. add more keywords, you might, or if they okay. use those same keywords that somebody's using to follow you, find you, it might boost it, right? Um, but overall, in the, across the entire web, comments are way down, even for people who are like, who blogging is their business. So uh, I'm thinking of like Deuce or food bloggers or, you know, people like that. Uh, commenting is down. So you don't need to feel terrible about yourself if you're not getting <laughs> Do you need comments. even that comments turned on? No, I don't, yeah. I don't believe you do. Some people I think would argue with me for SEO reasons, but I, I don't believe you do need to have comments because they don't lead to a sale. That's not a metric you want to track that's going to lead to a sale. So the metrics that I would track would be visits and opt-ins because yeah. that's what's, you know, your total traffic and then how many of those people opt in is what's going to funnel people towards that sale. Yeah. And I will say, and, and, and I, I did 
I will take credit for knowing this. When I got in the habit of, of I, I did KTV in my bathroom, you know, every week, hell or high water. I was right. <laughs> and when I got in the habit of doing that, I realized, look, this is no different than you being in your, in a brick and mortar office with a closed door, singing a silly song and trying to get attention with the, the blinds drawn. Mm-hmm. So I realized right then, okay, great. You've got this blog, but this is not an, if you build it, they come to you industry. This is a go out and share. So mm-hmm. I was religious about a few things. I did some common things that commonly well, one of which was every blog got blasted on social media. Mm-hmm. Every blog had an opt-in at the end, even if it was a, the same one, you know, even if it was mm-hmm. my regular old opt-in and I will say my list grew slowly, but organically by right. doing Right. And it amazes me. That's an easy thing to do. If you're going to take the time to blog, mm-hmm. share it. Do, is that right still? I mean, it was right. Oh, right. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's a misconception a lot of people have about blogs. Because when blogging started, it was, if you do it, they will come sort yeah. of thing. And it is not anymore. Do you know there are, I don't even, I can't remember the statistic, but something like 3 million blog posts written every day. <gasps> no. Every day. <laughs> well, okay. And so this is what I say in sales school all the time. Look, I know that in the online world, we like to be really kind and say, I don't have competition, but you do. You have competition for attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if my daughter were here, she'd be competing for your attention, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. lots of people are answering their cell phone and messaging and uh, tweeting and if you're a president, maybe drinking and tweeting and then you're <laughs> on your back and you know, like mm-hmm. there are not to mention the 8 million marketing messages you have to weed through a day, but there's competition everywhere. So okay. you make it easy for people to find your content and devour it. Right. Right. So you have to have a promotion strategy, even if that's as simple as these are the places I'm going to share it every week. I'm going to send it to my email right. and I'm going to tell five of my good friends to share it as well. Okay, fantastic. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about you because I love, and, and everybody loves this, I know, but I love hearing a little bit about the person because I believe in our industry, we sell ourselves first, right? Mm-hmm. People have to, mm-hmm. what is it, know, like, and trust or whatever. So I'm going to ask you this stereotypical, how'd you get in this? <laughs> sure. So um, I was a magazine editor. Uh, for a hyper-local publication here in Colorado. I was their food editor and the associate editor of the whole magazine, and I got pregnant, and (laughs) I was working 60-plus hours a week for very little money and even less respect, and (laughs) I realized that I was going to have to pay, like, half of my salary to put my baby in daycare. Yes. And I was like, I'm not paying half my salary not to see my kids 60 hours a week. This is crazy. So I decided to quit my job. And um, that was super scary. And so, of course, because I was a food writer, the first thing I did was start a food blog. I love it. And um, I did that for about about two years, I guess. And I took B school and, you know, I I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. And uh, the blog did really well. Um, I was able to grow a list in less than two years of like 1,800 people, which I felt like was pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was getting guest posting gigs on Martha Stewart websites. I was doing all kinds of these things that were really great. And I was making like 
$50 a year. I mean, like nothing. I was earning nothing. I couldn't make it because a food blog is like a Walmart business model. It's a economies of scale. You have to have yes. tens of thousands of viewers to make small eBooks and things like that worth it. Right. And no, no advertiser wants to talk to you until you have tens of thousands of viewers. And I needed to do something a little faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. well, I've got this blogging thing down. Maybe I can do that for other people. And that was how the whole ghost blogging concept was born for me. And it turns out, yes, people do want that. And from there, it's sort of, it's sort of the rest is history, but yeah. That's I love it. That's yeah. That's a great story. I love how, and, and people say this all the time, but I love how our, we, we usually don't start out where we, you know, where we end up somehow, some way. So mm -hmm. what is the, what do you loathe about the online industry, online business industry? Oh gosh. I think we are being sold a bill of goods when it comes to passive income. I think passive income is kind of a myth. I always put quotation marks around passive income because I don't know about you or your audience, but I have never worked so hard in my life as when I'm trying to sell a passive income product, either for myself or for a client. So, I mean, it takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of um, energy. Yeah. You know, launching is no joke. <laughs> and, and for an introvert like me, that's really tough. You're an and introvert. I am, but I can turn it on. I think I'm an You're ambivert. Not. I'm an ambivert because I can turn it on. Okay. But after this, I've got an hour in my schedule after this to not do anything because I'm going to have to come down. Okay. All right. <laughs> I should do. I should do that. And I'm as extroverted as they come, but mm -hmm. I should do that because I have to. I have to cocoon a little after I'm on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we probably all should do that. Probably. I would agree. Passive income is. It doesn't mean passive. Right. I mean, any people can sell a course. They do really well with it, but it's not as easy as we're being told it is, I think is yeah, my I, biggest pet peeve. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree. Worst advice you've ever been given in life, in business, in anything. Worst advice I've ever been given. Gosh, I don't know. Oh, well, um, I was told in high school that um, – well, this is such a long story. I'm trying to figure out how to make it short. Okay. I, I was in a, uh, a film and television program in high school. And um, I, by the second year, I was the only girl in the program. And I was very, very Molly Milk Toast at the time. Very, like, I didn't know what that means. Oh, I was like, wallflower. I didn't oh, say okay. anything. I didn't, okay. you know. And, but I had all these boys that I had to get to listen to me. And so like, I would get out there and finally one day I just like started swearing a blue streak and screaming at the top of my lungs and, um, got their attention. And all of a sudden they would do what I wanted to do. And so, um, I got the nickname Uber bitch <laughs> <laughs> that I was uh, like Dr. Jekyll and Uber bitch. Like I could turn on this crazy. Yeah. And, and I had this, you know, I got this advice from people my mother included, that I needed to, to keep doing, like that was the way I was going to advance or get people's attention or get people to listen to me. And I discovered after a few years of this, I didn't like Uber bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and there are other ways to get attention and there are other ways to be listened to and be heard. And if I you have to yell that loud, there might be something else going on, you know? Yeah. 
it, I talk about in selling, and, and I think this is true in life, but we have megaphone moments where it's, it's okay. I mean, okay is not the right word, but where you're going to get the, get attention by yelling through your megaphone. You know, um, the women's march on Washington is what I would call a megaphone moment. Women coming together, make, you know, uh, Rosa Parks not sitting, uh, sitting in the back of the bus is a megaphone moment. But the problem with constant megaphone or uber bitch moments is it almost begins, I think, to feel a little bit, and I'm talking about from a sales strategy, like you're always crying wolf or you're always selling something or you're yes. always, you know, like it mm -hmm. loses. It feels awesome. fake. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, in the book, we have this whole chapter about women who did not use megaphone moments like Jacqueline Kennedy or whatever, mm -hmm. but still had a huge influence on history or on the world. Because I think that you have to be able to not only do what's authentic, but also take into consideration your surroundings and what's going to, you know, God forbid, if I was sitting across from Donald Trump and needed something, I'm probably going to need to alter how I talk to him compared to how I would talk to my husband. Right. And that's not setting feminism back. That's being smart and being aware. Same, I mean, same sort of thing. Like you can right. be, have the megaphone moment, but we, what do we do when we don't have the megaphone moments? Or Well, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of advice I've seen in, in blogging in particular where they talk about, and it's usually male uh, gurus who are saying this, um, stirring up controversy for the sake of getting traffic. Yep. And to me, that feels icky. Like if I have something to say and it's controversial, great, I'm going to say it. But stirring up controversy, controversy just for the sole purpose of getting more visits to my website is not who I am. And that's not what I want my brand to be. So that's the kind of advice that makes me feel really. <laughs> I agree. And I've tried it all. I will mm -hmm. say well, I'm a great student. I'll try <laughs> about anything. Mm -hmm. but one of the things that I've learned just this year is Find something, and I don't mean selling, but for me, educate yourself about the world, about history, about politics, and find something that you are so passionate about you can't shut up about, and the controversy will start itself. Well, this is true. I, 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 like, I cannot tell you, I was home this weekend, my, my mom had knee surgery, and every time my dad would come home, I would just be ranting about politics, and, and he was like, just stop talking, and I'm like... <laughs> I can't. I can't. I read three books a week. I'm just like, I'm so hungry for what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. But I've tried to sort of create that controversy on its own, like just for controversy's sake. It doesn't, doesn't work. But if you find something, whatever it is, you know, art should be in schools or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Every kid should grow up on a vegan diet. I don't care. You find something that moves your soul and you put it out there. The controversy will come in the later. find you. Yes. <laughs> Don't go well, looking for them. And the other thing I think about that kind of thing is it's what I call one click content. Because if you are yeah. stirring things up, you're going to get that one click. This is like Buzzfeed, right? Those headlines that are like 12 things you must know. And number six will shock you. Well, yes. yeah, you're going to get that first click, but guess what? Buzzfeed's business model is different than yours and mine. They're yeah. making money every time you go to that page through advertising. You and I need, second click content. We need content that's going to get people there, not just to find out what number six was, it was going to blow my mind, but then 
have that second click that's going to get them to opt in or read another page or uh, go to my about page and find out about me or go to my contact page and make an inquiry. You know, that's what we need. We don't need the, yeah, it's all flash and no substance. I love it. It's so brilliant. And if I look back over my, even my social media posts, it's so funny because the ones that are controversial or the ones where I share like a letter from a hater have the most comments right? Mm -hmm. but, I, mean, I don't see a huge spike in opt-ins after that. It's, right. it's one click content. You're right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm, um, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, I'm watching, I have a business, I have a blog. Eh. <laughs> I mean, eh, maybe I'm, let's, let's say I'm writing every week, but eh, I feel sort of eh about it. Mm -hmm. First number one tip, what do you do? Number one tip I think is to blog to your sales cycles. So even people who are doing five and six figure launches, I find a lot of times are not priming the pump with their blogs, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. could probably increase their, their, their launches by a huge amount. And even if you don't work on a launch model, if you have an evergreen product, you can still create sales cycles to blog about and yep. promote your evergreen products on the cycle. So that was probably my number one tip. I mean, you were talking about leads earlier. There's a lot of low hanging fruit that people can do to optimize their website, to collect leads and, and grow slow and steady organically, just like you were talking about earlier. Um, and then you mentioned putting an opt-in at the end of every blog post. That's one of those low hanging fruit places. <laughs> if yeah. they've read to the bottom of blog post, they're looking for something else to do. So yeah. give them something else to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And I think that I, I really appreciate the, you know, what you said about the, the launch cycle, because it, I think it's so true. I, in upper level selling, I teach about your pre, pre-launch. And I say it that way on purpose, your pre-launch and then your launch. Right. Because really, you know, when people come to me and I get these panicked emails and say, I'm launching in two weeks and I need a launch plan. And I'm like, I'm not your girl. Mm -mm. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> it started eight months ago, probably a year ago. But I see that too. And our most successful launch, because, you know, we've had great launches and then, you know, okay launches. But our most successful launch was when we, when I did that, you know, pre pre launch. And that doesn't mean you're selling, by the way. It means you're seed planning, right? You're getting right. opt in. You're talking about what you know you're going to cover, you know, mm -hmm. why you need selling, 25 things you'll never be able to do without sales. I don't know. You seed plant and then you pre-pre-launch. Yeah. And anyway, I, I agree completely. I love mm -hmm. that. But it, but it also requires a different way of thinking rather than I only blog when I feel motivated or inspired. Right, right. I hate that excuse. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate it. I think it is. I've had so many customers say this to me. I, do you only work when you're inspired? That's great. Do you only take care of your child when you're inspired? Right. That's great. But if you want, if you've hired me, you want a business that makes money, period. Mm -hmm. And so you got to do some stuff when you're not inspired, unfortunately. I right. think. Yeah. And, and planning helps with that. You know, I, I find there are a lot of people who are afraid of planning because they think it'll take the spark out or like if they plan it all ahead of time, they won't be inspired to write it when it comes down to the wire. I find it's usually the opposite because, and this is kind of what I say to people. It's like, you know, that's great that you write when you're inspired. What do you do when you're not inspired? You know, and, and it's usually the answer is I don't write. And so having that plan ahead of time and knowing why you're writing, Hey, that, 
and and also <laughs> linking it to your money. Oh, yes. all of a sudden you're very inspired. <laughs> and your peace and your sanity, because the last thing that creates peace or sanity or money in a launch is panic. Oh, I better write five blog posts now. Right. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. That's not happening. Well, and also, so here's a great example. Um, I had a client, her name's Jacquette Timmons, and she is a financial behaviorist, which is such a cool thing to be. Um, but what she likes to do with her blog is take something that's in the, in the zeitgeist and, and talk about it in terms of financial behavior. So like Hi. if a rapper goes, Oh, in the zeitgeist, like in the, in the social consciousness, in pop okay. culture and what's going okay. on. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no. And uh, so like if a rapper comes out and says he's broke or, yeah. you know, um, I don't even know, but like all yeah. these things. So she'll take a pop culture or a current, current event reference and write about it in her blog. And so she was like, I don't think your system will work for me. And I said, oh, no, no, it will definitely work for you. So what we did for her was we just planned out what the type of post would be. So we planned out the sales cycle saying, okay, this post is an attention post. This one is a desire post. We, you know, this one we're going to call to action. So all she has is those, that framework. And then whatever's happening in the world, she can create a desire post with whatever's going on. But she knows what she's supposed to be talking about. I love it. And um Word of the day, say it again real slow. <laughs> Zeitgeist. <laughs> Zeitgeist? Yeah, it's German. Zeitgeist. It means like the, the collective consciousness. Zeitgeist. Ha! Well, <laughs> y'all can probably go see that on Facebook Live today. That's your 25 cent college word right there. <laughs> All right, good deal. Well, um, I know that everybody watching, listening is going to want to know more about you. I. It's so funny. Every time I have the opportunity to interview, superstars I'm like god I want to hire them this, this, this whole sell like a woman thing has been terrible because I want to hire everybody I just I, but you've got such a really great content con, really great concepts with blogging and I love intention and desire and, and call, I, there's so much more I want to ask but I also want to be respectful of your time so how can people find out more about you about your work who should find out more about you as well who needs to go right now and check you out Sure. So anybody who empathized with what you were saying about you, you've got a blog, but you're feeling a little eh about it. That's who I work with. <laughs> so small to medium to even large businesses, but mostly small to medium digital entrepreneurs generally. And I tend to work with a lot of women. That's just yeah. who I attract. But um, yeah, and you can go to LaceyBoggs.com if you're interested in finding out more like I'm a DIY, you know, do it yourself, learn all about it. I have a free library. You can go to LaceyBox.com slash library, and there's a ton of worksheets and information in there. Or if you're interested in having me do it for you, which I do offer, you can go to LaceyBox.com slash undercover. It's the little work with me button. And find out how you can work with me that way. But I'd be happy to, I'd be thrilled to help you however you need help. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw one more call to action in there. If you are the person who said, this is like uh, Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck. Right? <laughs> if you are the person saying, I only write when I'm inspired, but I want to run a business that makes money, don't walk. Run as fast as your fingers can type over to visit Lacey. Not making fun. I'm just saying that is a yes. recipe for not making any money and Lacey can help. Thank you so much for being here. It's My pleasure. This was fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sell Like a Woman, the podcast. I believe in you and I believe in your business. You can do this. Go do it. <laughs>